This morning we're going to begin in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. This is the parable of the sower and the soil, and we focus this morning on the stony ground. And some fell on stony places where they did not have much soil or earth. And immediately they sprouted up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they were withered away. Jesus explains this parable. And in verse 20, he explains that part of the parable. And he says in verse 20, But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. One of the other accounts of it says he believes for a while. In verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And I want to talk this morning about tribulation. Because this is one of the things that causes people to stumble. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, In this world you'll have tribulation. The word tribulation means trouble, problems. But he said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and in him we can overcome the world. And in the, in the world, overcoming the world, it means overcoming in our tribulations. We can overcome. We can be victorious in our all of our problems. This is a, a subject we talk about often. And you say, well, why is it? Because this is everyday life. And we face it every day. And the Bible says to encourage one another daily. To encourage one another daily with all that we're faced with. Because we're challenged every day. And frankly, I guess all of us know some who because of tribulation, because of problems, they've not continued. They've stumbled. And we are praying for them to come back. The Bible tells us to restore them in a spirit of meekness. So from there we go to Acts chapter 14.
beginning in verse 21. This is Paul and the other disciples. In verse 19 it says that Paul was dragged out of the city and stoned and they thought he was dead. In verse 20 it says, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. And they went preaching in the, the different cities. Verse 21, and then when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them, that means, the word exhort means to encourage them, to continue in the faith, and saying, we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Through many trials and troubles, we must enter the kingdom of God. There's trouble along the way. On that straight and narrow path, there are many troubles. I remember some 30-some years ago, a guy came up to me after we had Kate and I had a trouble come upon us. Um, and he came up to me and said, well, why did that happen to you? Because you're a Christian. <laughs> guess he thought Christians shouldn't have problems. Their troubles come upon them. Even big problems. Big troubles. Heartbreaks. It is through many tribulations that we shall enter the kingdom of God. That was the word of Paul, who had just been stoned and left for dead. He recovered and went back into that city and continued to preach the gospel in that city and other cities. And the message was, the message from the man who just got stoned. We don't know what it's like to feel people throwing rocks at us, hitting us. We're falling to the ground and people throwing rocks at us until they think we're dead. The kind of pain and suffering that is. The disciples gather around him, and he recovers from it and goes back into that same city that just stoned him. People in that city wonder what they thought when they saw him. And his message was, is through much trouble we shall enter the kingdom of God. We, that, therefore, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked or dismayed if that's the truth. And that is the truth. And so, since it is the truth, we should prepare ourselves. Not by hunkering down in fear and putting a defensive shell around us and all, all that's ours but to prepare our hearts. You say, well, how do we prepare our hearts? What is that all about? What is, what, how do we do that? How do we prepare for what's coming? Should we be prepared to duck? Prepare to hide? I know when I listen to the news on the radio in the morning, I hear this commercial as I'm going to work. And it's about how that, oh, there's all these problems in this country. We should buy up all this food they're selling in the last 20 years and hide it in your basement or bomb shelter or dig a hole in the ground and hide it in there. It'll last for 20 years. 
Jesus said we should pray, give us this day our daily bread. That we should take it one day at a time. So there, from there we go to Romans chapter 5 and we begin to understand something that God is trying to teach us how to prepare for tribulation. Not by digging a hole in the ground, making bomb shelters. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, sorry, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice or glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, or can be translated endurance or patience, and perseverance, godly character, and character, hope. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now we begin to see how we prepare for trouble. And it says prepare for trouble by rejoicing in our tribulations. You say, well that sounds crazy. That's how you prepare for trouble? Prepare to rejoice when trouble comes? To be ready by rejoicing. This is a mindset. That when problems come, we have the mindset and our heart prepared by when we see trouble and tribulation to rejoice in it because it says knowing that, that these problems do something for us. George Mueller said, tribulation, we should look at it as a food of our faith. It says here that tribulation works patience. Patience, godly character, godly character, hope. We trust God and rejoice in the Lord. We have faith in God when problems come. You read what it's saying here. It says we're going to grow as a Christian. The food of our faith. This is stuff that's coming to us that God allows through the hedge of protection. There are certain things He allows to get through His safety net for His divine purposes. And that purpose is to cause us to mature and to grow up as a Christian. So that if we know and understand that, it says knowing that and believing that will cause us to rejoice in our tribulations because 
trouble, problems, cause us to grow. We remain in Him. We trust Him. Our natural reaction when problems come is very familiar. Oh no! You know, it's like the oh no syndrome. Oh, why did this have to happen? Why did God let that happen to me? You know, what is all this about? Why is that happening? I prayed, and, and why is this happening? Well, I've never let that happen out of, come out of my mouth. I like to meet you. Has never come any of those things have never come out of your mouth. I like to know who that is, because I think every one of those things have come out of mine at one time or another. What are we going to do? I don't know what, how to deal with this. You know, it's just like this whole litany of stuff that we allow to come out of our mouth. Why? Because we're not remembering that God has designed tribulation to come to us to let us grow, cause us to grow, to trust Him, knowing that the testing of our faith works perseverance. When we think about that, he says, we rejoice in our tribulations. Do we rejoice when problems happen? I remember Dave talking about changing a tire in the rain and rejoicing and thanking God in that tribulation. Dave's told that story. What a blessing it was then that day. <clears throat> that sounds weird to the natural eye, to the natural ear, to the natural mind. Sounds a little weird. But in fact, it's exactly what this is teaching us. That nothing that God allows through our life is without purpose. As we go to Romans chapter 8, eight twenty-eight, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. When we read that, we have to accent the words, all things. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called, to those who are in Christ, all means all, all things. And since that is true, you see how we can do the unnatural and rejoice in the face of the toilet overflowing, the sink breaking, our neighbor's Complaining about us. Getting fired from our job unjustly or treated unjustly on the job. Having an unexpected financial problem come upon us. And there's many things of, I, I know about many of us around the room that are going through many of those things I'm talking about right now. But are we rejoicing 
are we just going the natural route of wringing our hands and stressing out all our problems? Oh, you know. And, and in our hearts, maybe not doing it outwardly, but that's, that's what we're doing inside of us, is all this, this stuff going on, this turmoil. And you feel this churning going on inside of us. What is that churning? That is the war between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. The war between the flesh and the spirit. They're against, against one another. They're at war with one another. And the war between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind is what's giving us that, that commotion, that uneasy spirit inside. Uneasy spirit in our hearts. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? First thing he asks is, shall tribulation? Shall tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. But yet, why are we stressing out in problems? Why are we stressing out in troubles and tribulations? Why are we hunkering down in a defensive posture as a Christian in our households and, and putting up this defensive shell around us because we don't understand this. That nothing will separate us from the love of Jesus. And nothing will happen to us without His knowing it. Not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without Him knowing about it. And we can take the most defensive posture in the whole wide world, we will not escape trouble. And trouble can break through all that, all the barbed wire and all the defenses that we can put up around us. All the insulation that we put up for ourselves and for our households. But yet, that's not the answer. The answer is to trust God and let us, and not the not to shun tribulations, not to insulate ourselves from problems, but to embrace the cross and all that that means. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, distress, tribulations, persecutions, a sword, anything. In all things it says we are more than conquerors through Him who called us. In Romans 12, 12, it says that we should be patient in tribulation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says the Lord comforts us in all our tribulations. So that we can comfort those with the comfort that we have experienced from God comforting us. In other words, as we get experience in this, we become a lighthouse to others who are going through trouble, through tribulation. As we experience peace and joy in our tribulations, we can be an encouragement to others who are troubled in tribulation. We can be a comfort and a source of light and comfort to those who are struggling in tribulation.
in 2 Corinthians 7.14 Well, that's the one I had, but it, the reference I had, but it's not <laughs> it, what it says is this. It says, I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. Paul wrote that. 7-4. Oh, I thought it was a 1. It's actually the two dots. 7-4. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulations. He's not just preaching it, he's practicing it. Not just joyful in tribulation, but he accents it by saying, exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, read that quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. Lily's cat. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4. So that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Patience and faith Paul's boasting about the church of the Thessalonians, about their patience and faith in all their persecutions and troubles, which they endure. <clears throat> From there we go to James chapter 1. And you'll notice how similar this is to what Paul says. What James says here is very similar to what Paul says in Romans 5 that we read earlier. Verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete, mature, and complete, and lacking nothing. If you really look at this verse, these couple verses carefully, you're going to see something that's very important for our Christian walk. Because we've already established from the New Testament Scriptures that we're all going to have trouble. Tribulation is going to come upon every one of us. We're going through it now, we've gone through it in the past, and we're going to go through it in the future. Tribulation, trouble is here, and there's trouble in the future. 
and we can put our heads in the sand and like I said we can try to dig a foxhole and bury ourselves in it or we can take courage and prepare ourselves for it <clears throat> with a mindset of rejoicing and it says the same thing here knowing that the testing of our faith proves patience produces patience <clears throat> rejoicing in our trials knowing that trials produce patience that's why we can rejoice God is putting us through this process to grow us from a babe in Christ to maturity and this process is hindered by us if we don't interpret our problems the right way our trials the right way that the testing of our faith in the trials, the tribulations, produces patience. And it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be mature, perfect, and complete, lacking nothing. The, the process of maturity as a Christian is found here in the right attitude about our troubles, our trials. A mindset, a spiritual mindset about our problems, knowing. A spiritual mindset knows and keeps in mind that our trials are going to produce something good in us. Patience, they're going to cause our faith to grow. They're going to cause us to become mature as a Christian, mature in the faith, complete. And it even uses the word perfect here. Jesus said, Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. The straight and narrow road is a walk that is intended to lead to maturity before we get to our destination. The destination, of course, is the promised land, the kingdom to be in heaven with the Lord, the land of Canaan. But along the road, as we continue on that road, it's a road of maturity. So stop, we have to stop looking at the trials of life and the testing of life, because life happens, as obstacles, as interference from a happy life. Those annoyances, we have to stop looking at them as annoyances, as a nuisance, as a pain in the neck. we got to stop. Because if God has allowed, our Lord and Master has allowed them in their life, these are the exact things He chose. Not we didn't choose it. 
He chooses it to bring us to maturity. And here we are fighting it. Fighting is bringing us to maturity. How are we fighting it? Grumbling in our tribulations? Questioning our tribulations? Looking them that way we just talked about as an annoyance, a nuisance, a pain in the neck. Why is this happening? I don't like this. Ah! It's all the flesh. And it's all the wrong attitude about what's come upon us. Whatever has come upon us, God is intending to use it for what we're reading about here. The intended purpose of growing up. Maturing as a Christian, maturing in the faith, being perfect in the sense that he means here. That we might be perfect and complete in the way it's meant here. To grow us up in Christ. To make of us what he intended for us to be. To no longer be tossed about whenever there's tribulation. Tossed about back and forth. Blown around. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry with his disciples, you read that they get in a boat. The boat starts filling up with waves, a storm comes. That's tribulation. We should identify that storm, that storm as the tribulation that comes upon us. Some big, some small. It's all tribulation. And you see how they panicked. And Jesus' response, where's your faith? Why did you doubt a little faith? Or you have little faith? Peter walking on the water, he starts seeing the storms and he goes down. Jesus grabs him and saves him. Says the same thing. Why did you doubt or you have little faith? Why are we doubting when the storms of life come? The mature Christian is the one who looks, the one who becomes mature as a Christian is one who looks at these problems and embraces them. Because God is using them in my life for good, to mature me, to make me what He wants me to be. To make me like Christ. So why are we panicking? Why are we doubting? When Jesus says, why did you doubt or you have little faith? It's because he was asking them what he's asking us. Don't you trust me in the storm? Don't you trust me with the things I've allowed in your life? Don't you believe that I am always with you? I will never leave you or forsake you? That's what it is. There's tribulation on the outside of us. As Paul said, troubles without and troubles within. And the trouble from without can lead to the turmoil within. And we must get the victory in the troubles within. As we've talked about in recent weeks, about having the peace of God in our hearts. 
knowing that trouble, trials, are patience. Do we know that? Have we been focusing on that? Have we been interpreting this this wave of tribulation after wave of tribulation that may be coming upon us and in, and looking at it rejoicing say hey God is bringing this into my life to grow me up to be a lighthouse, to be a beacon not just to stay where I'm at oh I don't like it I don't know what to tell you if you don't I don't like the things that come upon me either in the natural. Who likes trouble in itself? But we have to resolve ourselves to this thing. God has ordained it this way. It's not my idea, it's not your idea. This is God's idea. This is His way. And this is His His vehicle the equipment that he is using to grow us up to be like his son. When there's no problems, we can get awful complacent. We've seen that happen with the children of Israel. The first generation that saw all the tribulation in the wilderness says they served the Lord. But then it said another generation rose up that didn't know the trials in, uh, in in the wilderness. They didn't know the Lord the way those who had experienced the tribulation did. And they drifted away from the Lord. God knows what's in man. He knows our human nature. He knows all these things. And in His wisdom... That's what's greater than ours. He just chose and designed it. That it is through much tribulation that we should enter the kingdom of God. It's coming. And the answer is not to look at the future in a defensive posture. But with open arms. Rejoicing in it. How can someone like Paul say, I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation? Because he knew it. He knew and was convinced that the testing of our faith works patience. But let patience have its perfect work that we might be complete and mature and lacking nothing. And as we look at that, it says the word let in there. We read a few weeks ago where it says, let the peace of God rule our hearts. And here we read the word, let, pa- let patience have its perfect work. And that's something that's on us. And like I said earlier, we can certainly hinder that process by looking at our trials through, the, through a carnal mind, through the natural Respond in a natural way, a carnal way. Respond accordingly. There are people in Christendom who are gathering assault weapons, 
militia groups and all kinds of things. It's hard for me to believe that, seeing the character of Christ. You could believe it according to the first covenant, but not according to the second. The teachings of the second covenant are very different than the first. And <clears throat> why are they doing that? Because they look at their fear of tribulation coming. And that's part of what we would call a defensive posture. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, some versions say trials. For when he has been tested or tried, he'll receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's in verse 12 of the same chapter of James. In verse 8, it talks about a double-minded man who's unstable in all of his ways. That's the man who does not ask God in faith. Not walking in faith. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. And so we'll close with that in that We look at our life and doubt, we will be unstable. If we know, as we look at our life and we embrace it and know that God has purpose for everything. If we're doing what's wrong, God has purpose in bringing discipline upon our life. Somehow we can seem to understand that a little easier. You know? We go astray and we're. We're doing things that are sinful. Somehow, it's a lot easier easier for us to understand that God is bringing discipline into my life because I'm doing something wrong. And when we humble ourselves and God restores us, somehow we, we seem to understand that more clearly. But it's a little harder when we're, when we're walking with the Lord and we're, and we're trying very, with all our hearts to do what's right. <laughs> Things aren't going the way we expected. We're not getting all blessed. We're getting problems. Tribulations, trials. That seems to go contrary to what we believe in our natural mind about spiritual things. In our natural mind, spiritual th- walk being spiritual should bring nothing but blessings. That's not the way God teaches it. That's not the way the New Testament teaches it. Whether we like it or not, embrace it and rejoice in it. Because that's God's way. I'm done what I have. I'm open up to you brothers. Dan, Ben, Dave, all you brothers. If you'd like to elaborate on that or anything else you'd want to share. Morning, you want to begin in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 5. This is the 
parable of the sower and the soil, and we focus this morning on the stony ground. And seldom fell on stony places where they did not have much soil or earth. And immediately they sprouted up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they were withered away. Jesus explains this parable. And in verse 20, he explains that part of the parable. And he says in verse 20, But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. One of the other accounts of it says he believes for a while. In verse 21, Yet he has no root in himself, but only endures for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately stumbles. And I want to talk this morning about tribulation. Because this is one of the things that causes people to stumble. In John chapter 16, Jesus says, In this world you'll have tribulation. The word tribulation means trouble, problems. But he said, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. Jesus has overcome the world, and in him we can overcome the world. And in the, in the world, overcoming the world, it means overcoming in our tribulations. We can overcome. We can be victorious in our all of our problems. This is a a subject we talk about often. And you say, well, why is it? Because this is everyday life. And we face it every day. And the Bible says to encourage one another daily. To encourage one another with all that we're faced with. Because we're challenged every day. And frankly, I guess all of us know some who because of tribulation, because of problems, have not continued. They've stumbled. And we are praying for them to come back. The Bible tells us to restore them in a spirit of meekness. So from there we go to Acts chapter 14. Beginning in verse 21, this is Paul and the other disciples. In verse 19 it says that Paul was dragged out of the city and stoned and they thought he was dead. In verse 20 it says, however, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city. 
And they went preaching in the, the different cities. Verse 21, And then when they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, they returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, exhorting them, that means, the word exhort means to encourage them, to continue in the faith, and saying, We must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of God. Through many trials and troubles, we must enter the kingdom of God. There's trouble along the way. On that straight and narrow path, there are many troubles. I remember some 30-some years ago, a guy came up to me after we had, Kate and I had a trouble come upon us. Um, and he came up to me and said, well, why did that happen to you? Because you're a Christian. <laughs> guess he thought Christians shouldn't have problems. Their troubles come upon them. Even big problems. Big troubles. Heartbreaks. It is through many tribulations that we shall enter the kingdom of God. That was the word of Paul, who had just been stoned and left for dead. We recovered and went back into that city and continued to preach the gospel in that city and other cities. And the message was the message from the man who just got stoned. We don't know what it's like to feel people throwing rocks at us, hitting us. We're falling to the ground and people throwing rocks at us until they think we're dead. The kind of pain and suffering that is Disciples gather around him, and he recovers from it and goes back into that same city that just stoned him. People in that city wonder what they thought when they saw him. And his message was, is through much trouble we shall enter the kingdom of God. We that therefore we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be shocked or dismayed if that's the truth. And that is the truth. And so, since it is the truth, we should prepare ourselves. Not by hunkering down in fear and putting a defensive shell around us and all, all that's ours, but to prepare our hearts. Say, well, how do we prepare our hearts? What is that all about? What is, what, how do we do that? How do we prepare for what's coming? Should we be prepared to duck? Prepare to hide? I know when I listen to the news on the radio in the morning, I hear this commercial as I'm going to work, and it's about how that, oh, there's all these problems in this country, we should. Buy up all this food they're selling that lasts 20 years and hide it in your basement or bomb shelter or dig a hole in the ground and hide it in there. It lasts for 20 years. Jesus said we should pray, give us this day our daily bread. That we should take it one day at a time. So there, from there we go to Romans chapter 5 and we begin to understand something that God is trying to teach us 
how to prepare for tribulation. Not by digging a hole in the ground, making bomb shelters. Romans chapter 5 and verse 1. Therefore, sorry, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also rejoice or glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, or it can be translated endurance or patience, and perseverance, godly character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who is given to us. Now we begin to see how we prepare for trouble. And it says prepare for trouble by rejoicing in our tribulations. You say, well that sounds crazy. That's how you prepare for trouble? Prepare to rejoice when trouble comes? To be ready by rejoicing. This is a mindset. That when problems come, we have the mindset and our heart prepared by when we see trouble and tribulation to rejoice in it because it says knowing that, that these problems do something for us. George Mueller said, tribulation, we should look at it as a food of our faith. It says here that tribulation works patience. Patience, godly character, godly character, hope. We trust God and rejoice in the Lord. We have faith in God when problems come. You read what it's saying here. It says we're going to grow as a Christian. The food of our faith. This is stuff that's coming to us that God allows through the hedge of protection. There are certain things He allows to get through His safety net for His divine purposes. And that purpose is to cause us to mature and to grow up as a Christian. So that if we know and understand that, it says knowing that and believing that will cause us to rejoice in our tribulations. Because trouble, problems, cause us to grow. We remain in Him. We trust Him. Our natural reaction when problems come is very familiar. Oh no. You know, it's like, 
The Ono Syndrome. Oh, why did this have to happen? Why did God let that happen to me? You know, what is all this about? Why is that happening? I prayed, and, and why is this happening? Well, I've never let that happen out of, come out of my mouth. I'd like to meet you. Has never come out, any of those things have never come out of your mouth. I'd like to know who that is. Because I think every one of those things have come out of mine at one time or another. What are we going to do? I don't know what, how to deal with this. You know, it's just like this whole litany of stuff that we allow to come out of our mouth. Why? Because we're not remembering that God has designed tribulation to come to us to let us grow. Cause us to grow. To trust Him. Knowing that the testing of our faith works perseverance. When we think about that, he says, we rejoice in our tribulations. Do we rejoice when problems happen? I remember Dave talking about changing a tire in the rain and rejoicing and thanking God in that tribulation. Dave's told that story. What a blessing it was then that day. <clears throat> that sounds weird to the natural eye, to the natural ear, to the natural mind. Sounds a little weird. But in fact, it's exactly what this is teaching us. That nothing that God allows through our life is without purpose. As we go to Romans chapter 8, eight twenty-eight, we know that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to His purpose. When we read that, we have to accent the words, all things. That means the good, the bad, and the ugly. All things work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called, to those who are in Christ, all means all, all things. And since that is true, you see how we can do the unnatural and rejoice in the face of the toilet overflowing, the sink breaking, our neighbor's Complaining about us. Getting fired from our job unjustly or treated unjustly on the job. Having an unexpected financial problem come upon us. And there's many things of, I, I know about many of us around the room that are going through many of those things I'm talking about right now. But are we rejoicing? Or are we just going the natural route of wringing our hands and stressing out all our problems? Oh, you know. And, and in our hearts, maybe not doing it outwardly, but that's, that's what we're doing inside of us is all this, this stuff going on, this turmoil. And you feel this churning going on inside of us. What is that churning? That is the war between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind. 
the war between the flesh and the spirit. They're against, against one another. They're at war with one another. And the war between the carnal mind and the spiritual mind is what's giving us that, that commotion, that uneasy spirit inside. Uneasy spirit in our hearts. Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? First thing he asks is, shall tribulation? Shall tribulation separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword. But yet, why are we stressing out in problems? Why are we stressing out in troubles and tribulations? Why are we hunkering down in a defensive posture as a Christian in our households and, and putting up this defensive shell around us because we don't understand this. That nothing will separate us from the love of Jesus. And nothing will happen to us without His knowing it. Not even a sparrow can fall to the ground without Him knowing about it. And we can take the most defensive posture in the whole wide world, we will not escape trouble. And trouble can break through all that, all the barbed wire and all the defenses that we can put up around us. All the insulation that we put up for ourselves, for our households. But yet, that's not the answer. The answer is to trust God and let us, and not the not to shun tribulations, not to insulate ourselves from problems, but to embrace the cross and all that that means. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, distress, tribulations, persecutions, a sword, anything. In all things it says we are more than conquerors through Him who called us. In Romans 12, 12, it says that we should be patient in tribulation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, it says the Lord comforts us in all our tribulations. So that we can comfort those with the comfort that we have experienced from God comforting us. In other words, as we get experience in this, we become a lighthouse to others who are going through trouble, through tribulation. As we experience peace and joy in our tribulations, we can be an encouragement to others who are troubled in tribulation. We can be a comfort and a source of light and comfort to those who are struggling in tribulation. In 2 Corinthians 
Well, that's the one I had, but it, the reference I had, but it's not. <laughs> it, what it says is this. It says, I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. Paul wrote that. 7-4. Oh, I thought it was a 1. It's actually the two dots. 7-4. Great is my boldness of speech toward you. Great is my boasting on your behalf. I am filled with comfort. I am exceedingly joyful in all our tribulation. He's not just preaching it. He's practicing it. Not just joyful in tribulation, but he accents it by saying exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulations. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, read that quickly. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Lily's cat. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 4, so that we ourselves boast of you among the churches of God for your patience and faith in all your persecutions and tribulations that you endure. Patience and faith, Paul's boasting about the church of the Thessalonians, about their patience and faith in all their persecutions and troubles, which they endure. <clears throat> From there we go to James chapter 1. And you'll notice how similar this is to what Paul says. What James says here is very similar to what Paul says in Romans 5 that we read earlier. Verse 2. My brothers, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be complete, mature, and complete, and lacking nothing. If you really look at this verse, these couple verses carefully, you're going to see something that's very important for our Christian walk. Because we've already established from the New Testament Scriptures that we're all going to have trouble. Tribulation is going to come upon every one of us. We're going through it now, we've gone through it in the past, and we're going to go through it in the future. Tribulation, trouble is here, and there's trouble in the future. And we can put our heads in the sand, and like I said, we can try to dig a foxhole and bury ourselves in it. Or we can take courage and prepare ourselves for it with the mindset of rejoicing. And it says the same thing here, knowing that the testing of our faith proves patience. Produces patience. 
rejoicing in our trials, knowing that trials produce patience. That's why we can rejoice. God is putting us through this process to grow us from a babe in Christ to maturity. And this process is hindered by us. If we don't interpret our problems the right way, our trials the right way, that the testing of our faith in the trials, tribulations, produces patience. And it says, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be mature or perfect and complete, lacking nothing. The, the process of maturity as a Christian is found here. And the right attitude about our troubles, our trials. A mindset, a spiritual mindset about our problems, knowing a spiritual mindset knows and keeps in mind that our trials are going to produce something good in us. Patience, they're going to cause our faith to grow. They're going to cause us to become mature as a Christian, mature in the faith, complete. And it even uses the word perfect here. Jesus said, be perfect as your Father in Heaven is perfect. The straight and narrow road is a walk that is intended to lead to maturity before we get to our destination. The destination, of course, is the promised land, the kingdom to be in Heaven with the Lord. The land the Canaan. But along the road, as we continue on that road, it's a road of maturity. So stop. We have to stop looking at the trials of life and the testing of life, because life happens, as obstacles, as interference from a happy life. Those annoyances, we have to stop looking at them as annoyances. As a nuisance. As a pain in the neck. we got to stop. Because if God has allowed, our Lord and Master has allowed them in their life, these are the exact things He chose. Not we didn't choose it. He chooses it to bring us to maturity. And here we are fighting it. Fighting is bringing us to maturity. How are we fighting it? Grumbling in our tribulations. Questioning our tribulations. Looking them that way we just talked about as an annoyance, a nuisance, a pain in the neck. Why is this happening? I don't like this. Ah! It's all the flesh. And it's all the wrong attitude 
about what's come upon us. Whatever has come upon us, God is intending to use it for what we're reading about here. The intended purpose of growing up. Maturing as a Christian, maturing in the faith, being perfect in the sense that he means here. That we might be perfect and complete in the way it's meant here. To grow us up in Christ. To make of us what he intended for us to be. To no longer be tossed about whenever there's tribulation. Tossed about back and forth. Blown around. At the beginning of Jesus' ministry with his disciples, you read that they get in a boat. The boat starts filling up with waves, a storm comes. That's tribulation. We should identify that storm, that storm as the tribulation that comes upon us. Some big, some small. It's all tribulation. And you see how they panicked. And Jesus' response, where's your faith? Why did you doubt a little faith? Or you have little faith? Peter walking on the water, he starts seeing the storms and he goes down. Jesus grabs him and saves him. Says the same thing. Why did you doubt? Are you of little faith? Why are we doubting when the storms of life come? The mature Christian is the one who looks, the one who becomes mature as a Christian is one who looks at these problems and embraces them. Says God is using them in my life for good to mature me to make me what he wants me to be to make me like Christ so why are we panicking why are we doubting when Jesus says why did you doubt or you have little faith it's because he was asking them what he's asking us don't you trust me in the storm Don't you trust me with the things I've allowed in your life? Don't you believe that I am always with you? I will never leave you or forsake you? That's what it is. There's tribulation on the outside of us. As Paul said, troubles without and troubles within. And the trouble from without can lead to the turmoil within. And we must get the victory in the troubles within. As we've talked about in recent weeks, about having the peace of God in our hearts. Knowing that trouble, trials, are patience. Do we know that? Have we been focusing on that? Have we been interpreting this this wave of tribulation after wave of tribulation that may be coming upon us and in, and looking at it rejoicing say hey God is bringing this into my life to grow me up 
to be a lighthouse, to be a beacon. Not just to stay where I'm at. Well, I don't like it. I don't know what to tell you. If you don't, I don't like the things that come upon me either in the natural. Who likes trouble in itself? But we have to resolve ourselves to this thing. God has ordained it this way. It's not my idea. It's not your idea. This is God's idea. This is His way. And this is His... His vehicle, the equipment that He is using to grow us up to be like His Son. When there's no problems, we can get awful complacent. We've seen that happen with the children of Israel. The first generation that saw all the tribulation in the wilderness says they served the Lord. But then it said another generation rose up that didn't know the trials in, uh, in, in the wilderness. They didn't know the Lord the way those who had experienced the tribulation did. And they drifted away from them. God knows what's in man. He knows our human nature. He knows all these things. And in His wisdom, that's what's greater than ours, He chose and designed it that it is through much tribulation that we should enter the kingdom of God. It's coming, and the answer is not to look at the future in a defensive posture but with open arms, rejoicing in it. How can someone like Paul say, I am exceedingly joyful in all of our tribulation? Because he knew it. He knew and was convinced that the testing of our faith works patience. But let patience have its perfect work that we might be complete and mature and lacking nothing. And as we look at that, it says the word let in there. We read a few weeks ago where it says, let the peace of God rule our hearts. And here we read the word, let, pa- let patience have its perfect work. And that's something that's on us. And like I said earlier, we can certainly hinder that process by looking at our trials through the through a carnal mind, through the natural. Respond in a natural way, a carnal way. Respond accordingly. There are people in Christendom who are gathering assault weapons, <laughs> militia groups, and all kinds of things. It's hard for me to believe that, seeing the character of Christ. You could believe it according to the first covenant, but not according to the second. Teachings of the second covenant are very different than the first. And why are they doing that? Because they look at their fear of tribulation coming. And that's part of what we would call a defensive posture. 
Blessed is the man who endures temptation, some versions say trials. For when he has been tested or tried, he'll receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That's in verse 12 of the same chapter of James. In verse 8, it talks about a double-minded man who's unstable in all of his ways. That's the man who does not ask God in faith. Not walking in faith. Let not that man suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and unstable in all of his ways. And so we'll close with that in that We look at our life and doubt, we will be unstable. If we know, as we look at our life and we embrace it and know that God has purpose for everything, if we're doing what's wrong, God has purpose in bringing discipline upon our life. Somehow we can seem to understand that a little easier. You know? We go astray and we're. We're doing things that are sinful. Somehow, it's a lot easier easier for us to understand that God is bringing discipline into my life because I'm doing something wrong. And when we humble ourselves and God restores us, somehow we, we seem to understand that more clearly. But it's a little harder when we're, when we're walking with the Lord and we're, and we're trying very, with all our hearts to do what's right. <laughs> Things aren't going the way we expected. We're not getting all blessed. We're getting problems. Tribulations, trials. That seems to go contrary to what we believe in our natural mind about spiritual things. In our natural mind, spiritual th- walk being spiritual should bring nothing but blessings. That's not the way God teaches it. That's not the way the New Testament teaches it. Whether we like it or not, embrace it and rejoice in it. Because that's God's way. I'm done, but I have. I'm open up to you brothers, Dan, Ben, Dave, all you brothers. If you'd like to elaborate on that or anything else you want to